The Mel Tucker era began on December 16th. Spartans look stupid on the basketball court during the regular season? An Izzo team? Never. Couldn't be us. We're anxious, we're excited, we're pretty sure Gary Barta is a grade-A moron, and we're going to answer your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my co-host, Kevin Greck, and my other co-host, Yali, who's replacing (laughs) Alex Plum tonight. Greck, how are you doing? Uh, I'm fine. I'm enjoying the the sounds of of Yali's fifth, sixth (laughs) squeaker toy. We're going to lift back the curtain a little bit. There There it is. is. Uh, Yali has gone through her entire toy basket and interrupted us several times with a new squeaker toy. Um, so that, that's what we've been up to for the last 10 minutes. Plum, Plum. how are things over there? Arf, arf, wolf, wolf, arf. Et cetera. Dog noises? I don't know. She's, we went on a very long walk today. She should be asleep right now. None of this makes any sense. So I don't know what to tell you. Come on, Yali. Yali, do better. Be best. Don't disagree. <laughs> well, we of course thank you for tuning in to the show or downloading or whatever it is you do with podcasts. If we can ask you a favor, please share the podcast with Spartans in your life. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts and follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod, particularly if you would like to join in on the Twitter questions. Um, who am I going to call on today? Greg, tell the people about the structure of the show. Top number one, Greenwall. Talking about football, talking about basketball. We got some recruiting. We got some other news. Um, next up, we're gonna go off Grand River. Uh, it's gonna be a blast. We're gonna talk about, you know, what's going on in the college football playoff, those uh those uh choices, which were I think inspired. We can all agree. Uh <laughs> other things going on. Uh Brett Bielema showing up back in the Big Ten Brent. again. Um <laughs> all of the bees. All of these. And then uh, we're going to preview this uh, Wisconsin basketball game on Christmas Day and take your Twitter questions. It's going to be a good time. Woo-hoo. Lovely. So let's uh, dive behind the green wall. Uh, you know, we had a basketball game. We're going to get to it. We're going to postpone the pain and start with football. Uh, Where you're not feeling any pain after a canceled Maryland football game? Yeah. Football is over, All Michael. Done. That's not pain for you. Uh, it, it was a bummer, um, you know, but I appreciated that for the mental health of the players that this two-win Michigan State team uh, opted to not play a bowl game for the mental health of the players. Um, not because we had a mass exodus of players, but we'll get to that. Uh, for those who don't know and don't pay attention uh, to the whims of high school boys uh, and watch their film incessantly this past week was uh, early signing period though it has really kind of turned into the signing period in college football recruiting it began wednesday december 16th and ran through uh friday and uh this is the first class that uh, that mel tucker's put together so uh we're gonna talk about who committed um, we're going to talk about some of the activity that we've seen in the transfer portal and then do a little bit of reflecting on Mel Tucker's first class and how it, it sort of systematically is a bit different than what Mark D'Antonio did. So uh, a quick rundown uh, in order of how people signed. We'll just 
kind of tell you about the class. So first up is Davion Prim, who's a running back. I'll wait, y'all. I got it. Great. Uh, Davion Prim is a running back out of Detroit, 6'1", 205 pounds. Um, He's a a middle three-star recruit. Uh, He's got some work to do. Uh, needs to add some weight and strength, but he was Tucker's first commit and first signee. Uh, so that means he bought in early and, and was a, a big first step for him. I, as a comparable, he maybe is most comparable to Eli Collins with a bit more top end speed. Uh, Plum, who do we have next? Stephen Johnson, cornerback, Venice, Florida. Guy's six foot, 170 pounds. So he's definitely also got some weight to put on. Um, he had, might have had a lower ranking, but I think what, one of the things that makes him interesting is just the absolute insanity of his, of his athleticism. Um, so get this. He had some injuries in his high school team. So he played quarterback his junior year, um, played uh, quarterback the next year as well, as well as some running back. But uh, wait for it. The kid's a football player. So he, he knows, you know, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's adaptable. He's got some good football IQ. Um, who knows how or where it'll shake out, but I think he's an intriguing prospect for us. You know who else is intriguing? Prospect? Tell us. My guy, Kevin to Kevin, Kevin Wigginton. Drink to that. Offensive line, Colts Neck, New Jersey. Like, Colts Neck, New Jersey is not a real place. That's it is indeed. A- no, it's not. Who names a place Colts Neck? Get out of here. Anyway, my guy Kev, 6'5", 295. Not that big for the for the line, but we'll see. Um, the way that... Uh, that uh, Mr. Tucker approached this getting a lot of dudes out of New Jersey, getting a lot of dudes that have big frames. So two ninety five, six five, maybe we get a little taller, but it's all right. Um, he actually slimmed down in high school to uh, improve his athleticism, uh, but he's got a, an angry streak and uh, we'll see. He could be potentially a, a diamond in the rough type more so than some of the other guys. Jonesy, who's next? Uh, next up is a, uh... Anthony Booth, uh, the second, a cornerback out of Jessup, Maryland, 5'11", 175. Um, he played in top, he played top end football in Maryland, came, coming from the same school as Darian Harris. Um, he's got strong fundamentals, uh, which makes you think he'll be a fit for Tucker's philosophy. Very coachable, very process driven. Um, would not be surprised if Booth ends up being big time, even if he's an unheralded recruit. I call him Booth too. Booth two. I like that. Yeah. I like that. <clears throat> well, Chuck Brantley is coming at us, uh, cornerback from Sarasota, Florida. The kid's 5'11, 160 pounds. Obviously needs to put weight on big time, but the kid's a hard hitter. He was a high three star, rivals had him at four stars. Um, he just doesn't play like a kid that that's that that small. Uh so but yeah, he bulks up in the weight room in the offseason a little bit over the summer. Um, let's see, one of the more likely immediate contributors, I think, to the team. So some promise. Chuck Brantley. You know what? I like him. Chuck's great. You know who else is good? Carson Castillo. That's a name. Yeah. Out of Florence, Alabama. Linebacker, 6'3", 220. Under-recruited, maybe a little bit. Got some speed, got some power. Film has some frightening hits. Dude likes to just put the wood down. Yeah. Uh, so he's been able to disrupt plays. Uh, he takes good angles. He's got a nose for the ball. So uh, he kind of fits that overall class theme of big, punishing dudes so we're excited about mr castile uh next up is hamp fay mel tucker's first quarterback uh commit and recruit Hamp, 
Yeah, Hamp Fay out of Hudson Oaks, Texas, which is a Dallas suburb. He's 6'6", 230. Um, Hamp Fay's recruiting ranking is probably getting hurt by his lack of experience. Um, but he comes from an area of Texas where there are like eight dudes on a team who can play quarterback. Fay is a very accomplished hurdler. He was an accomplished wide receiver who ultimately transferred to play quarterback. Uh, he's he's almost certainly way underrated. He has a lot of tools in the tool belt uh, in the way of like different throws he can make. He can extend plays with on a scramble, keeping his head up so he knows where his receivers are. I think, interestingly, penned an op-ed in the free press after his commitment. Um, and I think it's telling that Hampfay clearly has buy-in from the staff. He was the guy they wanted to get. Um, there wasn't like he wasn't a backup choice. He wants to win. He's a, clearly a natural leader um, and, and is an exciting, you know, we're not going to see him next year, but exciting down the road. I, it's nice that they always wanted him. So we'll take that. And you know who I always wanted? Anyone that can play offensive line, specifically anyone who's six seven and weighs 315 pounds, that they come out of Southfield is, uh, is even better. So Brandon Baldwin, you're my guy, loving you. Um, so interestingly, this kid was a top-rated JUCO transfer based solely on some practice tape that he had because he went to that JUCO. Uh, he registered a year, though, to work on his body and work on some technique. And, uh, and it's, it's paying off. Unfortunately, obviously COVID kind of shut down the season for him. Um, but that tape specifically, I mean, that's gotten him these looks. So frame top end four years of eligibility. We need the time. We need the depth. We need the expertise. I think he's going to be good for us and probably going to start right off the bat. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, who's next? Uh, here we go. Uh, Alex, Akela. Sure. Why not? Yeah, Akela. Sure. Sure. Defensive line, Nashville, Tennessee, six six two fifteen. Talk about some guys that need to uh, to yeah, bulk up a little bit. But dude is fast. He's got wheels, and he's actually barely played any football. So he doesn't line up with proper form yet, uh, but he manages somehow to get in the backfield, and he is a menace when he's there. So he's a bit of a project. Expect a red shirt on this one for a number of different reasons, but he's got athleticism. He's got change of direction, and the staff's kind of, well, take a gamble on him. See what the upside is. So yeah. that's exciting. Akello's one I'm really excited about. Um, next up, Michael Gravely Jr., a safety out of Cleveland, Ohio, 6'1", 195. Uh, that is, uh, for that position, a college-ready body. Um, tackles with great form, takes great angles, hits hard. You know, he's he's a theme of this class. Um, big body, ready to go. Uh, well, you know, Akello notwithstanding. So, uh, Plum, Derek Ham, uh, Harmon. Kid's a defensive tackle out of Detroit. My city, what, what? 6'6", 350 pounds. Mel Tucker said it. The yeah. kid is straight up massive. So... The film is silly, and I think that's the best word you use to describe it. Compared to his competition, he's just really not. It's a silly, silly thing. Uh, Derek is going to occupy two offensive linemen and very solidly plug a gap or several. So uh, I think we should be very excited about a man of his um, girth joining the program. Oh, yeah. Give me that girth. Uh, next up, AJ Kirk, safety, Columbus, Ohio, 6'1", 190. Pretty big recruit sophomore year, but then suffered an injury, fell off a little bit. Um, you'll recall we talked about tons of offers that he had, though, still. Uh, frame is college ready. You know, he plays top end high school football in the state of Ohio. So the competition looks like, you know, looks pretty good. And he's got a nose for the ball. So a lot to be excited about for Mr. A.J. Kirk as he gets yeah. back in this one. 
Um, next up, one recruit I'm kind of excited about because we have been weak in the tight end spot is Cameron Allen out of Forney, Texas, 6'4", 220. Great frame. He's a proven pass catcher in high school, seemingly an authoritative blocker. Um, I wouldn't look for him to start right away or anything like that, but uh, with his size, he's a natural fit for the offense MSU is looking to run. If he can block, then he can use his size as a pass catcher in the red zone, and he he could end up being kind of legendary here, um, clearly with how we want to use the tight end going forward. Uh, Plum. Uh, yeah, Ethan Boyd next. out of East Lansing, another offensive lineman. Thank you, Jesus. 6'7", 295 pounds. So 295 is a little light on the uh, little light in the um, in the loafers, as they like to say. Actually, that has nothing to do with loafers, but I think you know what I mean. Kids, <laughs> that's uh, that's, uh, that's not what they used to say, say about the old offensive lineman. <laughs> um, no, uh, so he has some weight to put on, but you know, one of the highest upsides of, of the class, I think, is Ethan Boyd this year, and that's because of his frame. We're talking a lot about frame um, in a lot of these players. I think that just speaks to that um, that Mel Tucker process. So. I want to focus on his natural athleticism. He's an intriguing prospect because he sort of has this flexibility, this dynamic uh, ability to go laterally for pass protection, but he's got a burst of speed to kind of get to that second level in run blocking, which we've seen with Peyton Thorne, a, a critical element of, of his uh, of his offensive kind of leadership on the field. So um, 24-7 has him at the highest ranking you can be before you get to a four-star. Kids on the precipice, that's fantastic. I think it means good things for us. Um, Greg, now Teote. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Mr. Plum. Sure. Appreciate that. Drawn from your uh, Peace Corps experience. Uh, linebacker coming out of Las Vegas, Nevada. This is a big one right on. Just say his <laughs> name. Just say his name. Plum <clears throat> already did. Even with the phonetic uh, pronunciation welcome. written out here for me. I'm going to defer to Plum on this one. Uh, highest ranked recruit of the class. Uh, 155, number 155 on 24-7 sports. Uh, took a bit of a switch from USC on signing day, to my knowledge, and I think we'll get to this uh, when we look at the class overall. This has never happened before. I don't remember this ever happening with D'Antonio, where there's a player committed to another program that flips to MSU on signing day. Um, so take that. Yes! <laughs> take that for what you will. Uh, but... Uh, as Yali makes a, a break for it, uh, so too I shall hand it off to Mike Jones for our next uh, our next new edition. Next up is Tyson Watson, defensive line out of Roseville, Michigan, 6'6", 275. He's got, like, great high twitch speed. Um, so, you know, I'm not talking like a guy who's going to be running down the length of the field, but just has a quick burst. He's able to knife through the line. Maybe needs to uh, put on some weight. They it, it, he's been playing a lot of D end, but they may decide to move him inside to de, to defend uh, like a nose tackle, um, defensive tackle uh, spot. So uh, he could be a bit of development, but it is an exciting prospect. <clears throat> well, let me tell you about five star snapper Hank Pepper. That's an actual name. Uh, the kid's a long snapper out of Chandler, Arizona, 6'3", 220 pounds. He maybe plays linebacker too. Get this. The kid's a two star overall. 
not unsurprising for specialists, uh, but the specialist camps, you know, considered a five star. Two forty seven uh, has him ran- or twenty four seven has him ranked as the best long snapper in the country as well. But the kid hits like a linebacker. So who knows what that means in practice? I I think I'm, I mean I'm excited about it. He's no relation to Tabor Pepper, a former MSU long snapper who's now in the NFL. But listen, you can color me salted over how Pepper you, you know what that I am. means. No, uh, no oh. punt returns. Listen, touchdown. Listen, if this dude hits listen. like an LB, listen, you know. All right, I'll take it. All right, well, tell us, tell us about Gino, buddy. Uh, next up, Gino Vandermark, uh, offensive line out of some town in New Jersey, some team. He's the only relevant football player on that team, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, uh, six six three fifteen, uh, high three star, four star on rivals. Uh, good frame power to play in the interior though. It looks like he might be a right tackle at MSU. I think that's in the tea leaves. So doesn't matter. Comfortable on the right or the left. He's got athleticism when he's pulling, staying low. Um, so he can scrape, you know, he can still get to that second level and he's got a strong upper body. So, uh, we're excited about this one. He's, you know, flexible at the knees and, uh, should be a multi-year starter for Love a good it. program. Love so, knee flexibility. Like We're excited. Favorite. Um, so that is the class uh, of of in you know class of twenty twenty one that has committed. The only outstanding uh, uh, commitment that is not signed is Rayshon Benny, um, who is the top ranked recruit in our class. Uh, to our knowledge, there is no program that say he's waiting for an offer from that he would leave for uh and indeed recently had a conversation with you know people who report on these matters and and reaffirmed his commitment to msu that he's not interested in u of m so that's exciting but uh we got to talk about some transfers um transfers it's been if you aren't on the twitters or you're not paying attention it has been an eventful week in the transfer portal my god Sometimes we miss the mark when we have our, you know, shows and we and like, yeah, you know, this will happen. But, dude, we nailed it on Transfer Portal activity last week. So, yeah, Jonesy, uh, we've got a new quarterback in the system. It comes from your second well, school, host of the Can't Law, Can't Litigate <laughs> podcast, uh, Temple. Uh, what do you know about Anthony Rosso? Russo, I, I assumed it was Russo, Russo, but Russo, whatever so, it is. Uh, I don't have all the records that Anthony Russo has at Temple, but he's got most of them as a passer. Um, he's at least in the top four for pretty much every major quarterback record you hmm. could look for. Uh, so there are some interesting things about Russo, some exciting things, and then some some downers. So. Uh, importantly, Russo is averaging about seven yards per attempt on his passes, which is better than Brian Lewerke and slightly worse than Connor Cook and, and worse than Kirk Cousins. Notably, though, Russo did that with fine receivers, okay receivers, subpar receivers. Hmm. Um, and he did it in the AAC, which is also the conference that has um smu cincinnati uh central florida like it's not for being a group of five conference it's probably the best group of five conference um the one of the things that's most telling about anthony russo is this past year 
and he played three games in this past year. Uh, then he got hurt and then he had COVID. So that's kind of why he's looking to make a move is because he's probably an NFL talent and he needs a full year to really showcase that. So in the three games that Russo played this year, Temple averaged 32.3 points per game. In games he didn't play in, they averaged 10.5 points. And 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 in the 10.5 average points, uh, was uh, that included games against ECU, who gave up 35-plus points per game, and uh, 13, a mere 13 points against UCF, which gave up 30-plus points per game. So obviously he was a major contributor. Uh, he's got a, a whole host of tools to be a quarterback. He can do, you know, short range, uh, mid range or intermediate throws. And he has a great deep ball, having one of the highest deep ball completion percentages in the country. Um, the knock against Russo is his interception count. Hmm. 32 interceptions in three years. Now it's important to consider interceptions as a, as a ratio to touchdowns. So let's walk through that for a very brief second. Uh, Nearly half of those total interceptions came in his first year, where he threw 14 touchdowns with 14 interceptions. The following year, he threw 12 picks, but had 21 touchdowns. And this past year, in just three games, he threw six interceptions, though three came in one game which were largely a result of the wide receiver either falling or having the ball bounce <laughs> off their hand or running the wrong, the wrong route. Uh, I think maybe there's one to two interceptions you can actually put on him. I, you know, it, I don't want to go in too much more depth other than to say he is a wonderful transition quarterback and at minimum is really going to push Peyton Thorne to, to like – to actually step up his game. And if you, if Peyton Thorne ends up winning the job next year, you should feel pretty confident that Peyton Thorne really won the job mm-hmm. next year. Cause Russo seems ready to do what this team needs next year with a great wide receiver core. Um, so that's a transfer in quarterback. And if you think, Hey, what could that mean for transfer outs? Hold on to that for a moment. Um, next up. Plum, do you want to tell us about Harold sure. Joyner? Sure, I love Harold Joyner. This kid is a good version of Connor Hayward from Auburn. I know that that sounds um, slightly caustic, but the truth is Connor Hayward is a bad version of Connor Hayward from not Auburn. So frankly, Gus, man, I mean, if they're, if they're paying off Gus like they are, Auburn kind of knows what they're doing. Maybe-ish? I don't know. Listen, he maybe didn't quite cut it because of some attitude maturity efforts. Now, this is a Will Hunter hot take, so Will, you can come onto the pod and back it up. But I think there's a fair estimation that Auburn tried to get him to do too much. So there's some there's some questions there, I think, in terms of what 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 they're what he'll need to do to step into um in, into the into the Mel, Mel Tucker uh, process. And Mel Tucker is forging a culture here. Obviously, they picked him out of the transfer portal. That says something good. Um, you know, the kid has got a big body. He's a punishing back. He can get downfield. Uh, if he doesn't fall forward for a couple yards, you know, play probably seriously got blown up. So, kid's a great receiver. He did some explosive things at Auburn's. If he didn't, if he didn't fit, um, he didn't fit. Let's let's give him a chance here. And I think you know, Mel's building this culture piece out. But Jones, you had a you had a comment that you wanted to, to throw in about Joiner. Oh, just, you know, some people might see a reference to uh, the king is coming to visit his castle. 
and it seems that Harold Joyner, uh, as a high school student, um, maybe was a bit much and uh, was sort of uh, talking in ways that weren't necessarily a cultural fit for the D'Antonio program, uh, referring to is his on-campus visit as the king is coming to visit mm. his castle. Uh, when he committed this time around, he said it in in quotations, which uh, I think it's fair to say is probably him recognizing that he he has some growing to do and has done some growing in maturity. But it, for me, Harold Joyner, I just would say that that is kind of the big question mark on him is that like he got passed up for a reason, though did some really cool things at Auburn. Yeah. So anyway, that's yeah. all I got on that. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting he was a big time D'Antonio 2018 recruit. D'Antonio wanted this dude. Uh, they offered him. Uh, he actually named MSU as a leader. I didn't think he actually made it to campus. I was looking through his. He did. He did not. After that, okay. after he made that comment, the visit got canceled. Oh. Ah, interesting. Okay. Um, regardless, though, um, you know, I mean, we don't really know what to expect of transfers. I mean, we've got Jalen Reed. Other than that, I can't think of any football transfers in the last 10 years that have really done much. Well, um, Greg, we have one that I think we can be excited about. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett Hurst. Hurst. Jarrett Hurst. That's how you pronounce yes. it down in Arkansas. Offensive tackle from Arkansas State. Uh, He's uh, on the Outland Trophy list uh, headed into the season. He's got offers in his transfer portal from Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, Florida State, Texas Tech, Mississippi, State, Purdue, pretty much every program. So this is a guy that blew up down at Arkansas State. It was the bell of the ball, and he chose Yaspotans. So keep an eye out for Mr. Hart Holst next yeah. year. Because he's got what? He's got three to play or he's got two to play? Uh, two to play, I believe. Two to play. Um, but he will, he will for sure start. He looks like a left tackle. Um, dude, just, I mean, big and, and like just hits it, it, it. It's a good pickup. Great pickup. Big, yeah. big. You want this guy. Bigly. It looked good. Yeah. The fact that, the fact that even like I look at Texas, Florida state, Mississippi state is all programs that are like trying to be something again. But Oklahoma, that's one that I'm like, okay, <laughs> like that, that tells you something. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Greg alluded to, as the transfer portal giveth, the transfer taketh portal away. taketh away. Uh, so we already from, knew about Ant yeah. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Greg, yeah, tell, take it away here. Uh, so let's just start with Rocky Lombardi. Uh, if a... If the staff has taken in a quarterback, it means that the writing was on the wall for our guy, Rocky Lombardi. Uh, I think everyone on the podcast appreciates the time that Rocky gave us. Appreciate that that hockey flow coming out of the back of his helmet. That memory against Michigan. Huge game. Big win against Michigan. He had some big time throws and big time moments. But he was a quarterback that got opportunities this year and was benched in Hmm. three different games. So I think we can say that we gave Mr. Lombardi all the opportunities that he could 
ask for, and it just didn't work out. So, Rocky, we appreciate you. Forever yeah. you're a Spartan, my friend. Uh, best of luck to you in the future. I don't think he's landed anywhere yet. Is that Jonesy? I, I've know? not heard. Yeah. But uh, Rocky Lombardi will not be suiting up in the green and white next season, as it stands right now. Um, and I'm just going to rush through this for a minute because we have actually a number of other things to talk about, and I'm realizing we're already running long. But uh, we mentioned last week Julian Barnett uh, had entered the transfer portal. Uh, Devontae Dobbs, a classmate of his from Belleville, had also entered the transfer portal this past week. Um, both yeah. have landed at Memphis. Good for them. Um, yeah. Happy for them. Happy for all of these guys and, and just wish them the best. Uh, Jess Lord Botang, uh, we'd mentioned earlier in the season as someone who might be getting some run this year. We didn't necessarily anticipate that they would move to a four, two, five system on defense. Jess Lord Botang uh, was a, a linebacker who we thought might have a fit in a three, four system. Uh, <laughs> but um that's a lot more linebackers than we're currently using. And so it just, he wasn't able to crack a rotation. Um, Anthony Williams running back. We will recall we've talked about has left for the transfer portal. Um, those are the major losses. We, there's some other people who have entered, um, but it, you know, uh, this, I, I, we can talk about it a little bit more, but it, I, this, I think is just a reflection of the Mel Tucker era. Um, we have some guys leaving for the pros, Antoine Simmons, Naquan Jones, and Shakur Brown. Um, they're all headed out to uh, test themselves in the NFL. Shakur Brown's the only one who's technically leaving early. Mm-hmm. Um, Pro Football Focus had him rated as the number five uh, coverage cornerback in the country, um, and he was the second leading interception as of this past Saturday uh, cornerback. So... Um, and I guess a bit surprisingly is Jacob Panashuk is coming back as a defensive end. Um, gentlemen, any thoughts? Plum? No, um, you know, I know he's, he was a little mouthy, uh, as I recall, uh, when Tucker came. Uh, so, but you know, take some stones to kind of come back up and play, even if you were a little bit, uh, cart before the horse. So good for him. I, I appreciate someone that can eat his, uh, his, uh, what is it called? Crow pie. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if he, uh, if he makes good for it. I'm here. Yeah. Greg, any yeah. other football news or any other thoughts? Uh, this is it for football. We're not going bowling. It's all one final recruit and transfer. Portal I mean, to, to the point, how could you go bowling, uh, right? With this amount of turnover? I mean, where is the culture feast? piece to keep us tied together there's way too much yeah. happening and part of that's just a symptom of where we are in december at this stage in the game it wouldn't have been this late typically we wouldn't have had this kind of movement it's been a strange season it's been a strange year uh better i, I agree better uh, and i agree with the program better to just let it go and uh focus on rebuilding for next year i would point out that oh, go ahead. this is a, a huge amount of yeah. attrition for msu we're accustomed to way, way less than this. But there are teams out there that have been experiencing this for years. So it might be a case of get used to this, Spartan fans. It might be hmm. a little bit more because it's Mel Tucker's first year. It might be that this is a sign of things to come and we should grow accustomed to guys coming, guys leaving. Yep. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I think we can say that, you know, as a theme 
the the places that that Tucker picked up were obviously places of need from the transfer portal, um, or at least places where you want more competition at that position group, and that his class has prototypical frames for those position types. Um, and he clearly valued size above all else. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I think it's going to be a little bit hard until year two or three to say, all right, how often is Tucker landing the guys yep. he wants? Um, but in the transfer portal, those things come up quick and you're being recruited by everybody. And Tucker landed some of the biggest recruits in the transfer portal already. Anthony Russo was a sought after guy. Um, uh, Jarrett Horst, obviously a very sought after guy. Harold Joyner <laughs> coming, <from Auburn, laughs> coming from Auburn, a big time, big time recruit. Like he got the guys he wanted and he got them when other people were knocking at the door. And so I think that's pretty telling about their ability to recruit. Yep. Um, I don't know how much longer I can delay. You can't, it's time. Though. There was a game in Evanston against the Northwest. I watched it. Wildcats. I watched it. And in that game, the Northwestern Wildcats shot nearly 50% from three. <clears throat> they, so MSU we, did not win that we game. We did not win that game. In fact, we lost, we lost that game. We lost it in ways that seemed both irrevocable and permanent. Uh, we lost it in such a way that we dropped not from fourth to fifth or sixth or any other number, but we went from fourth to twelfth. That's significant. Well, that's what happens when you drop a Four, game by... No, 16. try again. 420 points. We got beat by 420 points. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we are now Ken Palm 27. To the point, Ken Palm's a dumb dumb, almost as dumb as Gary Barda. Not quite, though. Great A, moron. <laughs> Um, so let's take, but okay. I'm just upset. I'm just angry. (laughs) I'm just lashing out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I got one. I got every squeaky toy. There we go. That feels better. Oh shit. Now she's going to come out of the pond. That's me. I did this. Yep. I did that. Now she's up. She's like, wait, damn it. Squeaks are back on the menu, boys. We All have right. uh we have actually we have uh, a visual aids to go with I've this I've been episode. texting. Yeah, they'll be tweeted out. Pictures of yep, and I apologize. All the squeaky toys. Uh, she so doesn't we'll even like Valley, the corn Valley one. Shots. I didn't even think the corn one was still in play. I thought I threw that corn one away. That was the real wild card. Yeah, but you took away all of the other squeaky toys, and that brought corn up to the mo- up to the top. And corn was like, corn. "I've just been waiting for this. I knew one day." I knew one day Yali would come back for me because she'd have no other option. I mean, is corn is corn the Peyton Thorn or the Rocky Lombardi of this situation? I, it's it remains to be seen. I can tell you who in basketball corn okay. corn is the Connor that's really Hayward. sad. Yeah. Corn tried to get out of there. Tried to it was like yeah. you know what I yeah. had enough of this. You know, tried to get out of Dodge and then None. no other offers for corn. Not so one crawling back and then. Do you know who corn isn't? Corn you know is not marble, but we're going to get to the offense. Jones, I think you wanted to take us into the defense first. Just do yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Just do the whole game, Josie. Well, I, I think it's easy to say we didn't shoot well, and like we didn't. It was terrible. But we had talked at some point during the season that MSU had a potentially very elite defense, and that seems to be slowly but surely fading from our grasp. It had where, potential it was. for a very elite defense. 
we've gone from holding teams to less than one point per possession to now allowing a Northwestern team more than one point per possession. So it's worth getting into. Um, it, I, I think you got to start at the guard spot. And Foster Lawyer was the superior guard defender. <laughs> it, that Nothing. doesn't make That's not ever. a sentence that should ever, ever. come out of our mouth. This was uh, potentially Rocket Watts' worst game in a Spartan uniform. And also on defense, Jeremy Langford t- took five of the worst fouls I've ever seen any one player take, dumb. including the foul that he committed to foul out of the game. Unnecessary. Like it didn't it didn't contribute anything to the game in that point. <gasps> oh my god. What are you doing? And he got an oh over my the god. I, I don't understand it. And it was it was over the back. He went through the guy's the head. The guy's head jammed down. I I called it from here. Oh no. So I think the so the guard play was terrible. Henry, you know, Henry picked up an early foul. Izzo benched him. That ended being ended up being Henry off the floor for like over two minutes, um, which then we went from four zero to nine four. Um, I think, though, the place that's most interesting is we keep coming back to the five spot, but Izzo seems to be screwing around with his lineup in ways that makes me think he's a survivalist and he plans on playing, you know, being able to play if a nuclear disaster happens because he wants to get everybody. Except for his son. I mean, come on. At the very least, give Stevie some minutes. The the rest of this. Yeah, if you're gonna do this, clown, man, go full hog. clown show go isn't working hog. any other way. So shit, might as well, Tom. Uh, I, you know, so at the five, in my mind, like uh, it's becoming a detriment because now Marble is not getting developmental minutes, and with the guy who's seemingly playing the best basketball at that spot, and then now not getting the bandwidth to actually grow in um, the position. Can, can we say something about that really and, fast? You know, Brendan Quinn had a great article in the uh, in the Athletic about Marble and how Marble deserves more time. Last week on the pod, we talked about Marble going up to going up to Izzo and saying, "I want more minutes," and and Izzo kind of you know giving him that shot. The kid though has played no more than twelve minutes in a single game, and he's played thirty three games as a Michigan State Spartan. He played twelve minutes against Duke. He played twelve minutes against Detroit Mercy, and then he had nine minutes last night. Um, and he had seven and six minutes in between. In fact, Izzo even went to Marble in the Oakland game and apologized to him because he was going to play Sissoko over Marble because he wanted to get the kids some developmental minutes. It doesn't make any sense. The fact that Kithier started, and let's just talk about offense for a hot second here. Marble played for nine minutes in this game. Kithier played for um, 18, double the time, double the time, exactly scored twice. fewer baskets. Two points versus Marbles three. And here's the bigger thing. Uh, they tied for the number of boards. In other words, Marble is double is showing double the productivity of Kithier. I don't care how experienced Kithier is, and that's exactly what Izzo pointed to. He's like, well, you know, we're trying to we're trying to get Kithier out there. He's got more experience in the position in the five, and so we really kind of want to maximize those minutes, see what he can work with here. It doesn't, it isn't paying off. It isn't revealing anything here. Kithier starting is like Groundhog's Day. I want to just jump into the bathtub with a toaster, and yet I'm still going to wake up, and on Christmas morning, what's going to be underneath the Christmas tree? 
Kithier starting at the five. Why are you doing this to me, Tom Izzo? Um, but talk. Greg, yeah, sorry about that. Levels. Can someone talk about Bingham for a minute, though? Because that kid was a complete liability last night. Yeah. Greg, you, you have an answer on this? Because I'm kind of at the point where I think we should give up on the Bingham experiment. I mean, he had two of the worst consecutive possessions I've ever seen. He totally messed up a switch, and then he like took a charge oh, or something on the other side. Or yeah. He took a, a, call for a block. block or something. It was bad. Just awful. Just truly awful. Completely wasted his eight minutes that he had on the floor. The problem with the five is Kithier is the most reliable. Bingham is he was not reliable at anything he he does he does what you expect him to do on defense which is going to get you a lot with tom Izzo. um and he just doesn't make some of the mental mistakes that the other guys do marble i think at this point it's easy to say probably has the most potential for that position and any minutes, I mean, I, I don't know why Kithier is getting 18. He was trending down for a while, but I think Marble should get all of Bingham's minutes. And that's that. Um, I will just also say, say Henry made some really dumbass decisions. Uh, Langford, same thing, not including, not just limited to his fouls. Like, I mean, over helping or not helping at times. Uh, this team is not gap sound in ways that they normally are. Uh, the, you know, I, I would say I thought, you know, we didn't board well in this game. Like, it, actually, we didn't. The defensive rebounds were not that impressive at all. Um, and that's that's considering that Northwestern pretty much didn't try an offensive rebound. Like it was just it was not a. Yeah, all teams have been doing that all season. They've just been getting back and stopping MSU yeah. fast breaks. Um, also, last week, I remember I said something to the effect of. You know, a lot of times MSU teams in the past have had lineups where you wonder who's going to score. Last week, I said, that's not a problem for this team. Uh, then this week from the 1645 to the 1145, five straight minutes, MSU had a complete and total scoring gap. I mean, that was when the game was over. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that was it. Um, there, there, it was just uh, offense completely and totally shut down. So I and think it, I, it for me, for oh yeah, it, well, Northwestern played great and I don't want to take everything away from them, but you know, MSU has long kind of like been high on the turnover uh, uh, numbers for years now, but only eight this game. And two of them to me were a bit of a microcosm in that they were Hauser, two Hauser passes that were so lackadaisical. There was just no oomph on them that they were, yeah picked off stolen um which you know i think transitions us to the offensive side uh it was bad plum i see you have some all caps here i only have all caps you guys nobody can score no one not one person on our team can score i hope you can get the levels on that 
I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through all the all, how how everybody shot. It was it was terrible. Um, other than Gabe Brown, when he decided to to take a shot, he actually was remarkably consistent. At least shot four for five from the field, which is great. Okay, good job, you. Malik Hall second best with a four for seven, but no, no one else even made fifty percent. Langford was equally abysmal, and I really loved this zinger. Langford said in the post game, "It's not really about making shots." We will shoot better, but at the end of the day, it's about us and how we bring our mindsets to the game and get locked in. You can't control if the ball goes in, but you can control your effort. Okay, a couple things on that. You're absolutely right. You absolutely can control your effort. That That's absolutely true. And yes, you will shoot better. You'd have to shoot better. Uh, you couldn't shoot you, you any couldn't worse. Shoot you back. couldn't shoot any worse there. Jeremy, George, J- Jingleheimer, whatever your name is, you didn't earn a first name this week, friend. But it absolutely is about making shots. And you specifically took a number of doozies, just idiot shots, fadeaways, going nowhere. You had at least one complete airball three. What are you trying to do? I understand that players get hot and you want to take advantage of that. My God, Boo Booey was hot. He couldn't be stopped. Part of the reason he couldn't be stopped. You got to say the whole. Sorry, you got to say the whole thing. Can't just say boo 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 Part of the reason, of course, he couldn't be stopped was because he wasn't being defended, and so it's remarkably easy to shoot threes when you don't have any defense trying. I mean, he he shot some insane ones that like a few, a few, but 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 especially when Bingham was looking around like, duh, where's the kid? Oh, duh, there he goes. I just thought Langford was remarkably inept. That comment was so completely tone deaf. And so far as you, 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 it's all about making shots. That's the actual game, and part of that does stem from your effort. Part of that does stem from the culture. But as a leader and as a player who has been off this team, who's been in, you know, waiting to get back his opportunity, waiting to heal, working all summer, you didn't show an ounce of leadership out there yesterday. And if, if, if this is the moment, you know, we've talked about this team being a little rudderless. We've talked about this team sort of lacking leadership at the point. Aaron Henry didn't show up. We had no clue where the hell he was most of this game. Uh, 0 for 2 on threes when he even attempted them. 50, 50% from the field. Uh, I guess we can at least be glad that he drained his one free throw attempt. The point is, when when this team doesn't have on-court leadership, it absolutely falls apart. And so that's when you have to look to, to your 47-year-old players like Josh Langford and expect them, because they have literal decades as a Spartan, to be able to show something. And so the culture, okay, fine, maybe. But the rest of your comment was just wrong. Dumb and wrong. So I don't know. I'm going to stop here because I really want to save some energy for letting Tom Izzo have it because a lot of this falls on him, and you kind of alluded to that, Jones. But please, anyone else, like, my God. The last thing I'll say, we've been looking at assists to made baskets a lot this season, and there was ball movement this game as well. But I thought it was more in the effort to hot potato the ball and who's going to mm. get stuck with it at the end, who's going to end up taking the shot. Whereas earlier in the season against lesser talent, for what it's worth, it was more, you know, giving up on medium shots to get a good shot. I thought the effort was entirely different. Um, you want to talk about Tom Izzo rotating? Well, I mean, players? Jones, go ahead, because you kind of you started this at the, at the lead on this section segment. It's it's I am I am not unempathetic to the idea that there is a shorter preseason slash non-conference season. You know, we are now in big 10 play and it feels like we just got here. Uh, we just started playing, you know, I, I'm not unsympathetic yeah. to that. 
However, you know, it it's not just fans now. Like, it's also, for instance, Brendan Quinn saying that Marvel should be playing. Uh, it is it is so clear that there are there are six good good dudes on the team, right? Like, I mean, it's Malik, Gabe, Hauser, Langford, Watts, Henry. Like six six dudes. And then you gotta put in some guys. And Marble has guy, maybe yeah. dude. Yeah. Written all over him. Good guy. And that Yeah, I mean he is, right? And so and and you know, you've gotta you've gotta play some lawyer in there because you've gotta you've gotta switch. Rocket can't be the only one playing point. So to me, that now we're at eight, right? So that's your eight-man rotation. Maybe you do nine, ten with like some flirting around here or there. But like Tom, it's clear to everybody. It's clear to everybody. And this is the the reason I'm trying not to get overly worked up is because Izzo does dumb shit like this every year. This just happens to be a, against a Northwestern team we should not be getting punked by at all. Well. He does do stuff like this every year. Uh, and that's why I try not to get too bothered by the rotation well, stuff. Um, but you, you can admit this is dumb, right? Like this yeah, is- I mean, it's not my favorite thing, but it does tend to pay off eventually someday. In the tournament, so. <laughs> well, this is the whole, the ends justify the means. And I think we have learned from Tom Izzo to trust the ends um, and the inept means that he gets there. I will say for Tom Izzo, the man is harder on himself or at least more transparently and vulnerably honest about his failures than anyone else could be. And so I'm not angrier today because he took a lot of the wind out of my sails. He absolutely is right. This does was had to have been one of the most inept performances in 26 years as a coach. And Jones, you've made my point, so I won't repeat them. But he, again, we don't have leadership on the court. The players themselves don't know who else to turn to. And, and so while you're right, to say that, yeah, and maybe Greg, you you know, you don't get worked up because it's okay, and we're going to kind of cycle through. Tell me who is the constant go to on this? Because if it's supposed to be Aaron Henry, yesterday has me struck with fear, and and it certainly wasn't Josh Langford. Like, and he hasn't been, and he hasn't stepped up into that role. By the way, the whole season yet, we haven't seen that. So, yeah, there's there's no one who can. To your point, Plum, there is no one who can just take yes. this game over. It's got to no be one. Henry or Hauser. Well, uh, listen, Hauser isn't. Well, uh, okay, God help <laughs> us then. And listen, and Hauser was a little unfortunate. We didn't really, you know, I mean, that injury obviously was kind of out of left field. And good credit to him. You know, he worked it. And he made sure he was good. Came back in and still got eighteen minutes. But but he's never going to be flashy. He's only no Hauser's. Hauser's twenty one minutes, two for seven, two rebounds. One assist. I'm not, three but I'm not even. Turnovers. Yeah, but he's. Yeah, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to read that against him, considering what this. I mean, that break, the going behind. You know, that that whole thing does screw with your head a little bit. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to fault him for that. But I'm going to say, even when he's playing his best, he's still never really a dude for us. The guy is a guy. He's a reliable guy. He's not flashy. He's not that flash in the pan the kid is just going to be a consistent go-to guy that still for me isn't the kind of take on leadership that we've expected from players in the past it's certainly i mean none of these kids is moving to the level of any kind of like xavier tillman in terms of that cohesiveness what we used to see in um 
Uh, anyway, the point is, the point is, I think it's been made. Um, let it go. None of these kids are there, and so Tom has to step into that space. And I'll tell you this: watching him scream at them early, and then last ten minutes of the game, he's no longer yelling. He's sitting there quietly, and when they would come together, he would just kind of talk to them. And Tom Izzo not yelling at a player, not yelling in the huddle. That's it. Game's done. We're all done. Go home. Go home. Stevie's coming in now. That's it. Yeah, he benched the he starters. Benched the starters. He benched he's the not starters. yelling anymore. Then that's it. He's given up. And that's a real, that for me is a real, real problem. Uh, Greg, I think it is a bit of an annual tradition though, for MSU fans to freak out about basketball. I know we've talked about it last year when we said, yeah, everyone take a chill pill. I, I do have some alarm about how early in the season and there are some very unanswered questions and there's some regressing that seems to be happening, but tell the people why they shouldn't freak out. Or just tell me why I shouldn't freak out. I mean, God help us. Yeah. What is All right. this? All right. MSU last year went to Mackey and got pantsed in arguably oh. the worst outing that they've ever had losing 71 to 42. Like, I mean, it was embarrassing it was in the midst of some other losing that was happening. And it was, it, it, that 71 to 42 was like, Ooh, God. Yeah. There was a home loss last year. That was bad. I don't remember which one it was, but I was like, okay, well there goes the conference championship. It's not. Happening and then right what happened? Conference championship happened. And t- take the people back all the way, all the way back in the time machine. Oh, are you going to do the 79 MSU top five MSU loses Northwestern and then wins the ship? I'm just saying. Difference is there's no Magic Johnson on this team. So <laughs> prove it. That's prove right. it. <laughs> all right, Greg, uh, give us our first ad read. Uh, all right, Mr. Brandon Sands. Let me let me ask you. Let me ask everyone. Have you examined your own hmm. home mortgage? If not, take a look. See what that interest rate is. Because let me tell you something. Right now, interest rates exceptionally low nearly the lowest ever and they're not getting any lower so you if your interest rate is above four percent you should be in the market to get a home mortgage refinance or if you're in the market for a new home call our guy brandon sands all right he's closed over ten thousand of them he works one of the largest lenders in the entire country guaranteed rate he sets himself apart because he has a consultative approach man if you get a rate over four percent you're paying too much, all right? Brandon's going to help you save hundreds, sometimes thousands if you want to consolidate in some other high-interest debts, refinance that puppy, buy a new house, whatever it is, contact Brandon Sands at rate.com slash Brandon Sands. That's Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. He'll help you out. Help me out. Help me out, man. My life's better having some. No doubt. You say that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have a quick, no dumb questions, just dumb podcast host question. Uh, this week we were asked to explain ineligible receivers. Did anyone do their homework on this? Uh, I know that there's a thing with the linemen where they go down the field and they're not supposed to be an eligible receiver further down the field because of the, of a way that they lined up. I didn't know that we were doing this segment. Oh, particulars. particulars. And this is different than a player that leaves the field of play and then fails to reestablish himself inside the field of play before he catches the ball, right? Correct. In particular, the listener is asking because they saw a quarterback throw the ball at the feet of a center. Um, 
So the the short answer on this one is that it's a very complicated rule. Um, but that generally speaking, anyone numbered between 50 and 79 is not an eligible receiver. And that you have um, your five linemen, potentially one additional person uh, who are on the line plus two receivers. The two receivers are eligible, obviously, but everyone else is supposed to be off the line. And then anyone else who's on the line, uh, you can't throw to unless the ball is tipped. Um, it's, it's a real bummer spikes. However, don't count as a ineligible receiver only matters if you are in a, a throwing situation. So like a spike at the, at the center does not count as an eligible receiver. Well, and as um, I, I think in the NCAA, they I allow, if I, I could be wrong on this. Uh, there's some maximum y- yard. I think it's three yards. The NCAA allows ineligible receivers, I think, to be three yards beyond the line of scrimmage before the pass is thrown. If you go any further than that, then they'll flag you for ineligible. Yes, on that as well. So it it seems like actually the question about eligible receivers uh, is more of an intentional grounding yeah, question because phrased, of yep. the way it's phrased. Um, yeah. Clarify the situation, and we will answer this more concretely because it is a. It's a nuanced penalty that uh, in even in the refereeing playbook has a number of varied and weird scenarios um, in which it is or is not in effect. Uh, ineligible receivers can make become eligible and whatever. But generally speaking, you can't throw it at the feet of the center. Um, there should be an actually eligible receiver. And let's be clear. This is why there are like seven or eight referees on a college football game and why they have to stop for commercials every 30 seconds because they literally have to go pull up the rule book and then discuss everything that's happened. It's inane, fully inane. Yes. Um, There's also the problem of ineligible receivers going downfield and some teams actually intentionally breaking the rule on that for competitive advantage because it gets called so infrequently. So anyway, um, we can cover all of that at a later time. Yeah. Um, But good question. It's a, it's a complicated rule. And if you're not wrong to think what you thought, so, uh, but let's actually get angry -er because we're going to head off grand river and start with the college football playoff bowls and general bowl selection <laughs> situation. Greg, who got what? Well, the college football playoff committee got together and decided that for the college football playoff, Alabama shall be playing mm. Notre Dame and Clemson shall be mm. playing Ohio State. Do keep in mind that Clemson and Notre Dame just played and it was not a very close game. It wasn't that competitive. Notre Dame shouldn't be in there, and Ohio State didn't play that many games. None of that makes any sense. Yeah. So, what, what do you, Jonesy Plum? What do you want to talk about? Um, I could say that Cincinnati is nine and zero and not playing a bowl game, or at least not playing in one of the, <laughs> the one of this. <sighs> God help us. God help them. How they're not top six is absolutely offensive. I mean, I'm just struck. Yeah, I, it's interesting to me that, so let's just start with the recipients of a college f- football playoff uh, berth. Because, Greg, you, you point out rightly that Notre Dame just lost authoritatively to Clemson. Interestingly, Notre Dame and Clemson, that was the second time they've played this year. Yeah. The yeah. first time Notre Dame did win 
but Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence, which the committee is supposed to take into account when people don't have players. So, all right, fine. You give Clemson a pass on the loss. I don't know how much of a pass you should give him, but you give him a pass. But I don't know who needs to see for a third time, possibly, no, Bama versus Notre Dame. We'll get we'll get to in a second whether that actually happens in Twitter questions because Brian Kelly <laughs> is a moron. But <laughs> it would take a full blown scissor lift for me to respect him. Um, I do. See what but, he did there, dear yeah. listener. Do you see? But anyway. Here's the other thing. So, yeah, uh, Plum, you point out Cincinnati. Um, I would also point out Indiana and Coastal Carolina as other schools. So um, that did not it's get true. any. They are both other schools. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see here. Uh, here are teams. So Oklahoma, who's eight and two. Or so sorry. Number five in the rankings is Texas A&M at eight and one. Oklahoma's number six at eight and two. And Florida's eight and three at number seven. At eight in the rankings, nine and oh, Cincinnati. Somehow three lost Florida, three lost Florida is doing better than an undefeated yep. Cincinnati team. That makes baffling. Truly baffling. Well, but let's be clear. They don't care anymore. I mean, I think they literally see themselves as choosing the top four. And I think what drives that conversation is completely ad revenue. That's it. And you and I talked about this earlier this week, Mike, around just what it would have meant to see like BYU Coastal Carolina. I mean, that sort of like energetic, full on, no one expected it. Bam. Everyone's tuning into that game. So why are we going to tune in to watch Brian Kelly's head explode and pop off because he gets destroyed 902 by Alabama? It's, it is, it just, it's befuddling and it defies reason. I, we could talk about Texas A&M and how they absolutely got hosed, not getting into the top four. Uh, Notre Dame or, or Ohio State, you can choose which one. I don't think really, I think you can make the case that neither of them should be in it. But the point remains, uh, you have a lot of quality teams that, uh, that are not in it that really should be. It's it's very Gary Bart is a complete. Uh, what's the word I want to use? I, something worse, Food? like bum, bumbler, bumbler, bloof, bumble, bloof. I don't know. Bumble, oh, bumble, bloof. Yeah. That's also, the thing. Iowa State yep. is ranked tenth with an eight and three record over Indiana. Indiana is six and one with their one loss coming to number three ranked Ohio state in which they lost by one score, having put up over 500 yards of offense against Ohio state. It is offensive to that team. I mean, to the, frankly, to the conference that Indiana got screwed. I mean, I'll say it. They got fucked out of a new year six bowl. That Indiana team deserved that. And, and I don't. I'm baffled. Gary Barda is the AD of Iowa, and well, that's he, how, he screwed his own conference. So that's the, just the thing. He's got the eye test, and he eye tested Indiana all year. And to see well, he he specifically pointed to Basically, Iowa State. He said Iowa State on the strength of schedule was better. When you look at the resume, he he gave it to Iowa State over Indiana, and he's like, "Well, if we're not putting Iowa State there, then how the hell are we going to put Indiana in there?" And the point is, they should have all been in there because you shouldn't have had Ohio State or Notre Dame. Ack. But Iowa State, Iowa State, one of their losses was by 17 points to number 19 ranked Louisiana. Do you know who beat them? There it is. Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina beat Louisiana and yet is ranked lower at 11-0, and 0, is ranked lower than Iowa State. This 
college football playoff committee is Blancas. Um, Blancas. Dumb. So in in effect, what we have here is we have, you know, in the BCS, basically you lost, you were out. So you got a bunch of gun shy teams that wouldn't play anyone in the in the pre-conference season. Now what we have is a committee that in effect what they do is they give a mulligan to all of the major brands throughout the season. And it gives everyone an opportunity to drop one and then still get into the college football playoff because of the eye test or because of advanced analytics or because of good quality wins or quality losses or whatever it is. In effect, what you've done is you created a new system that benefits five or six programs even more than the BCS That's did right. before, mm-hmm. That's right. which then creates a self-perpetuating circle where Alabama can go say, hey, guys, why would you ever go play somewhere else? Come here. You're going to play in the college football playoff three times on average in your four years that you might be here or in the two years that you might be here, whatever, whatever it is. It's turning into the same thing for Clemson. Georgia isn't in it this year, but they can start yeah. to have a similar claim. Um, it's It favors the the national brand teams even more now because of because of this eye test because of these advanced analytics because of quality wins and losses it's worse than the bcs because of the way that they're choosing these teams but so yeah you're not wrong and i'm not contradicting any of that the the one thing that's that's in my mind doubly worse about it is that you look at ohio state which is in the same division as, as Michigan state is in the same division as Indiana and uh, Ohio state six and oh, Indiana is six and one. As I mentioned, their one loss is to Ohio state by seven points. And you give Purdue exactly Ohio state's resume. Exactly. It just says Purdue at the top. They're not in hmm. the college football playoff. Yeah. Well, so I, my thing about it is that, the the insulting piece is that for Indiana, they played the same division. And so it either so you're giving you're giving Ohio State credit, I guess, for beating Indiana, but you're not giving Indiana credit for beating all the same people Ohio State did. And Right. Exactly. It's just it, like it, you you I don't know that before it is you've ever been able to make the so clear case by like you can point so clearly to flaws in logic. There's always been debate on this stuff and it's always been uncomfortable. I think in 2013, was it 2013 or 2014? We felt like we kind of got screwed over on this. Us? Yeah. Like MSU? Yeah. I think MSU would have been in the playoff that year if it had existed. Right. Uh, but oh, yeah, 2013 was the Wisconsin uh, Big Ten championship game. Um, or no, 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 never mind. I'm getting my dates messed up. Doesn't matter. Point is, this is the I think with with different with varied schedules, this has been maybe the 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 thing that has been the most exposing about college football playoff. And it is either we got to go back to the olden times. I never thought I would agree with my dad on this. And I fully now agree with my dad that it, the regular bowl system is better than this bullshit. Or, or we've got to expand the playoff, which would actually be my my bigger preference. Eight, 16 teams, I don't care. Take your pick. All right. 
You guys want to talk about Bert? Uh, Bert Bielema, hired in at Illinois. What's oh the, my the God. terms of the Six contract? Years. He's back. Six years. What was it? 4.2? 4.2 million dollars six years <laughs> the bert is back i don't know um, uh big ten you know favorite the la times wrote the story about about uh fume events on airplanes where like uh oil gas stuff mixture comes into the air vents and it like smokes out and it makes everyone crazy there's some massive fume event happening in the athletic department in bloomington right now because that contract is insane Oh, oh, Illinois, yeah. Illinois. Uh, or Champagne, Urbana, Urbana Champagne. Champagne, the Champagne of beers. It's the the event happening in Bloomington, Illinois. Maybe I'm getting fumed out where I am right now. Point is, yeah. I, this it's this. Wow, they are very very thirsty. They're a thirsty school right now. The Illini. I don't know that they're, but see, Bert Bielema has been putting himself in like the conversation about any coaching opening that has been in existence for at Sad. least the last two years. I think they, <gasps> I think they deserve each other. Yeah, I don't know why you hire this guy. I don't know why you don't wait. Um, before we move on, because we're running out of time, I did want to mm. make a programming note. Uh, some of our listeners may be aware of this. Um, Maya Washington, Jean Washington's, uh, daughter, Jean Washington, of course, uh, MSU wide receiver from back in the Duffy days, uh, inductee into the college football, uh, hall of fame. She made Maya made a documentary about her father leaving the segregated South, coming to MSU, changing modern college football. Um, it's a, it's supposed to be fantastic. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I've been trying to see it for the last year. It is airing on the Big Ten Network Thursday, the 24th at 4 p.m. or Monday, the 28th at 6.30. Uh, check that out. It's supposed to be really, really good in Gene Washington's Through the banks of the Red Cedar. Through the banks of the Red Cedar. Through the banks. Love it. Yes. Yeah, Duffy Doherty did a Love lot of good things that. for college football, and, uh, and uh, integrating football is one of them, so good for him. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's do some ad copy real quick. Uh, chat about Preserve Homemade. Okay. Preserve Homemade is a good and provision store, bringing you tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Uh, you'll be happy to know that, uh, well, actually, you should be unhappy to know that their December drop just closed up, but the January drop is coming. So listen, classic favorites. Uh, they do some seasonal staples, but you can't get away from the things that they do incredibly well. So the chocolate chip cookie, something we've raved about on this uh, pod, a timer seven. Uh, peanut butter cookies are great. They've, they've got, you should go to the website, right? Which is, um, preserve homemade.com. Uh, you can check out their Instagram page, preserved underscore homemade to see what they've got on the lineup for the January drop. Personally, some of us on the pot are hoping for their bloody Mary mix. The point is they're, it, it, it's, it's all very curated. It's very right at the fingertips, right? So what you remember, mom cooking, grandma cooking, aunts cooking, maybe your dad, great cook Jones. you got a dad, great cook. I won't. Yeah, uh, cooking something this. on the stove. You got the apple pie. You know, lattice work on on the uh, the the uh, windowsill to cool as the farm breeze wafts in. That's where we want your head to go. All right, that's what <laughs> we want you to be thinking about. Go to Preserved Homemade, Preserved underscore home, uh, Homemade at the uh, on Instagram, Preserved Homemade dot com on the website. Go get their chocolate chip cookies. Just do it. Do yourself a favor. January drop. It's coming up. Go to the website. Treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness. Great. Love it. Uh, Greg, tell us about our basketball opponent. All right. Are you guys ready for some, uh, for some. Yeah. Christmas day basketball. 
first sure time in program history. First time there ever was. MSU is going to be playing at Wisconsin December 25th at noon 30. Now, Wisconsin's on a bit of a roll right now. They dropped an early one to Marquette, but they've got some wins against nobody teams and then an actual pretty convincing win against Louisville. So currently six and one, currently up to Ken Palm number three, the only team I believe in the Ken Palm index uh, with a top 10 offense and defense. Uh, oh, it's at home against Wisconsin. I've been uh, I've been updated. Not that it really. Listen, we got to get the facts right. Or what do we have left? Um, that's true. That's true. Although that's a great point. No, I mean, right? I don't offer facts do on this really pod. I just offer anger. Uh. Yeah, so Wisconsin's only given up 58 points in the games that they've played. Again, pretty marginal games ex- with the exception of of Louisville. Um, and they also block a lot of shots. Uh, they're averaging almost six blocks per game. Uh, Travis Trice's brother uh, is in his senior year. In the course of this, I discovered he's a year God, older how? than Josh Langford. Look oh my God. it up. We make all these jokes about Josh Langford. Demetri Trice is 24. He's a year older than Josh. He's got two PhDs God bless him. from Wisconsin. Wait, really? Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Back to the facts. Uh, Micah Potter, uh, also on the team, uh, leading in both, in both scoring and rebounding. Shooting That's great. 50% from three. And and Nate, of course, is always there. He's always getting bored. He's still there. He's still there? He's still there. It's it's just a team full of dudes that are still there. Wow. Um, anyway, that's enough. That's a that is enough. Uh so <laughs> basically right now a team shooting 46% from the floor overall, 44% from 3, which is what which is what Northwestern just shot from 3. Uh to put that in perspective, MSU's shooting 10% worse on the season for 3. So this, I mean, this was a game I expected to win a few weeks ago. And now, I mean, at the same time, Wisconsin hasn't played a team like MSU, but this is a team full of guys that have played MSU like 40 times. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, anything you guys wanted to add to that? I didn't expect to start drinking that early on Christmas, but I will be. So... Yeah, I, I, I think uh, watch the defense. That, to me, is going to be the place to watch because we surely could not shoot as poorly as we did this past game. Mm. So, um, you know, watch the defense. 12.30. 12.30 on Christmas. Gives you something to do, um, you know, as you take this opportunity to not hang out with family. Uh, anything else? Uh, you guys want to talk about any football offseason stuff before I move on? Watch the transfer portal. It sounds like uh, cornerback and maybe running back are the places we're most likely to add spots. Um, gentlemen, it's time for Twitter questions, and we did no editing. Okay. You guys start. Uh, sorry, CT. We're doing two questions this week, and your second two got dropped. That me even reading them. So, Wait, CT on, and hold DC. On, hold on. Uh, All right. You yeah, can read that's them. That's good. All right. First up um, from CT and TC, how do you think, Jonesy, how do you think the fact that high school basketball will not happen in many states affects next year's freshman class, if at all? Uh, I, CT, I don't know that it will affect them uh, that much because so much happens on the AAU circuit. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, and these dudes will, like high school is not 
high school ball is not really where most of the work comes in. So I, I just don't know that it'll happen that much. Um, I've heard that like coaches don't even bother with high school coaches anymore. It's all AAU teams. It's all shoe hmm. companies. It's all like high school ball is just sort of a, sort of a dinosaur. It's an anachronism yeah. at this point. Um, Plum, if you were a top level recruit, not how, how these idiots do it. Day? I have to just say the entitlement is so frustrating. You talk about culture. You talk, I mean, this, this sort of self-inflated, I own the world. I've got hats galore and I'm lifting them up and like, oh, it's a Marushka doll. What are those called? Like, and I'm just going to pull out one after the other. And they're all little big time. Like, just stop it. Just stop it. I would be at home and my kitchen table and I would just simply tell everyone what school I was going to. And if I tried to do anything sassy, my mom or my dad or both of them would just slap me across the face. And then I'd probably start crying on national television. So that's what needs to happen more of, okay? Just give me blue-collar, hardworking, self-effacing athletes. This is just outrageous. Ma guys- Teote, and now Teote did, uh, did something very – like no press, just, yeah, you know, just signed a letter yes. and sent it in. Although it. he went from one school to another. Yeah, but so he committed like two thing. years before. Um, do you guys remember? I'm, I'm really struggling to remember what his name is. Uh, wide receiver ended up at MSU, was a big time MSU recruit, did like five hat ceremonies one night. He did. Uh, he committed to uh, he committed online to Central and then decommitted an hour later and then did another hat story <laughs> and committed <laughs> And committed to Notre Dame and then like 10 minutes later decommitted and then did another uh, hat ceremony where he went to like Michigan or something and then decommitted. And ultimately he went to Tennessee and then transferred back to MSU. He was a big time recruit. I don't remember what his name was. Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. And who's the the guy who uh, committed to Michigan – or who who flirted with Michigan for basketball and then ended up at Arizona State. I don't remember, but I loved that guy just <laughs> taking the piss out of the whole process. I loved it at the time while I was following it on my computer in his 480i uh, streams that he was doing from his mom's living room or whatever. Anyway, uh, next up from John Hummerd, uh Plum. How much do we miss out not landing Brian Kelly when we had the chance? Oh, such a great program leader referencing Kelly's threat to boycott the Brian Kelly has literally been responsible for a young man's death. So it is absolutely (laughs) astounding to me, astounding to me that he even thinks that he he can even be taken seriously when he speaks in public. The fact that Brian Kelly isn't in jail right now is something he should be saying. Thanks God for every single day. Okay. Brian Kelly, guess who else's parents aren't coming to the CFP? Oh no, yeah. no, no, they're no, not. No, no, no. They're not That's, though, Brian. That, it, they're not. It was, uh, it was D'Anthony Arnett that I was referencing. Um, Anyway, uh, next up from John Hubbard. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to say really quickly, I would love for Brian Kelly to actually follow through on that threat because please, he doesn't have playoffs. Because you know what? It would tell the truth to the entire lie that is the college football playoffs and it would make Gary Barta look like an even num- – what's higher than grade A? Like grade double A? D- grade double yeah. A? Both sides? Anyway, uh, next up, Greg. Uh, does the Greg household do gr- go green for the holidays – 
and just use the Slenderman uh, physique as a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I just hold up all the ornaments and then I drape tinsel over me as well. And I just sort of sway yeah. in the breeze that comes off of our registers and our returns. Th That's all it The takes. thing people don't really know is that Greg's so toes are each like six or seven inches long. So they, they can hold several different ornaments on yeah. them. It's very, very silly looking. It's not fun. Point. Next up, Anthony Garbert, prop bet of the week. The number yes. of times I inappropriately snickered when the announcer said Boo Booey's name versus the number <laughs> of Big Ten games. Friend, the man McCaffrey gets a technical this year over under set at seven. Uh, and a I'm half. going with McCaffrey on this one. Definitely more. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm over seven and a half for McCaffrey on the, on the text for sure. Yeah. Greg? Uh, I, well, I don't, I, this, this seems, this is, this is already done. Anthony already has some of the data. Yeah. I, I think it's, I'm going to take friends. I'm still going to take friend. Yeah. It, 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 isn't it, that it, funny. You kind of become a nerd to it because they said it so fast so many times. Now, if they said boob yeah. buoy, uh, that's kind of funny. Mm. Next up from Garvert Jonesy, as 2020 draws to a close, would you call this year a net positive experience? For me, the answer is definitely yes, since I had my first kid this year. Oh, uh, yeah, that's great for you. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, you I think know that's what it would take. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would agree that that is a net positive experience for you. For the rest of us, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, the way that 2020 is ending is net positive. God, that just oh, that takes the wind out of the sails. I gotta really, yeah, yeah, I gotta really think about that. Garv, for for someone Ooh. that knows how to read the room with the, with the prop bets of the Ow. week, <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good, you're just you're in the glow of being a first time That's father, all right. you don't see anything else. Next up. Uh, Plum from Verboza Dutch. Which of these teams is most likely to finish in the top four in the Big Ten? I think Illinois, Juwan Howard. Michigan, I think Juwan Howard's going to take Michigan Keep into the top four this year. And I'm, I know and that's an un un unpopular take, but I'll tell you why. It's not because of Juwan Howard. It's because of the ghost of the still living John Bayline, who and, and I don't know if some of you guys saw this. Uh, Joan sent this out on the the text earlier. Uh, uh, Bayline and uh, and Tom Izzo had a nice little catch up, and they got to talk about the good old days when Michigan Michigan State basketball was actually a rivalry. It was a thing; people liked it. So I don't know. I think that I think that that's going to have a little bit of energy. I think Juwan's going to hear that, and he's going to say, "Well, I want to be friends with Tom Izzo." You can't be. And no, okay, Rutgers is the right answer. Rutgers currently two and zero with wins at Maryland and against thirteen Illinois. So fine, dude, take it to the rack. Take it to the rack, verbose Dutch. Uh, uh, rack, what's the best present you ever gave? Bro, we do this every week. I don't give good gifts. Yeah, uh, I think we I think we cut this question most weeks, and verbose Dutch was onto the scam and just. I gave, gave my best friend a, a garage door really? opener, uh, like the actual. Okay, I didn't get uh, that <laughs> for her wedding, so. Uh, I, he, he, he him his, him. yeah. All right. He, him, his. Yeah. yeah I right. still didn't get there. that. Uh, uh, next up from Nick Kamansky, Plum, podcaster ratings update. Greg, still chap for his tacit acceptance of the scale. Plum, up to chap for his gratuitous, some would say appropriate <laughs> use of 
uh, punctuation in tweets. Okay, so you, you get a little right. punctu- punctuation in, apparently. Jonesy, sadly, just a guy for coming so hard at highly engaged listeners wow. like himself. Kindness matters. Um, Thank you. This isn't a I, question. I came, I came very hard for that, right? So I'm glad that he didn't take it personally. That's nice. All right, hold on, Jones. This one then... I may have. I may very well have. All right, Jones from Nick. His long-promised doozy of a question. What is your Patreon page slash handle, and how much do I have to donate in order to buy myself a segment on the podcast? Um, Greg, do we need to have a little meeting about this? How much would it cost for someone to come on the podcast? You make a you make a uh, an offer, Nick Kamansky, and we'll uh, wow. we'll we'll take it from there. Yeah. What do you think it's what's it worth? Cookies to you, is my question. How much? Uh, how many? How many dollars per minute are you willing to pay to interact with me? Yeah, just uh, Nick. Have your people talk to our people. We'll work something yeah. out. Uh, next up is vodka soda nineteen. Quick round robin. Uh, start with you, Greg. Jelly jam or preserves, and which flavor? Uh, uh, preserves, raspberry, done. Come on, preserves, preserves, raspberry, jelly, done. Right? Done. Yeah, there Correct. we go. Correct. There we go. All yeah. right, great. Raspberry preserves. That's it. All right. Next up, Raymond Chains. This week on the D'Antonio Show, after the coach claims to have simultaneously <laughs> choke slammed the Bulla brothers to establish dominance, questions about his bios could <laughs> be arise. Or, or a bake sale for charity brings out the competitive natures of Lupe Izzo Becky. and D'Antonio. Becky. Oh. oh. Things getting a little feisty over there at, uh, at I don't know, the the. You know the Lansing Promise Benson Listen, or something. We're like we're talking a lot about <laughs> um, Becky uh, D'Antonio here, but why is no one talking about Joe Allen Tucker? That's my question. What about Joe Allen? I bet I bet she's a real baker. Yeah, we don't. We don't know much about her. We don't know much about her. We gotta we gotta get her on the uh, you know the Thursdays with Tuck podcast. We gotta get her. Maybe we should just reach out to her about coming on our podcast. We know more about his. Well, how about this? About her Do you know that he? Proposed to her on their very first date, and that date was a blind date. And it happened here, right? It's well, he I, think so. a, I think so. I think so. Assistant here, wasn't it? Yeah. So take take that. That's that's old school. That's a process I want to get behind. Bold talk. Bold. Uh, next up, uh, <laughs> Plum, will being a fat ass move Raymond Chains up in line for the COVID vaccine? No, what about and for no, my friend. Woo! Unless, <laughs> unless, unless being a All fat right. ass for you also comes with several chronic disease concerns like COPD, uh, mainly COPD. Yeah. So just pick that yeah. up. Real quick there, Raymond Chains. Or uh, you start working for a temp agency and see well, if you can get working in a hospital. Literally, yes, environmental you services, if you can start uh, working environmental. Like, I'm just trying to think of something you could get into really, really quickly without any training. Uh, if that was what you wanted to do, switch jobs, yeah, you could definitely get a job in environmental services in a hospital and probably get immunized very quickly. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. All right, we have way too many questions. Uh, I'm going to cut real quick here. Uh, uh, there. uh, here we go. Uh, we didn't cover this. Uh, it's one of the more boring questions. I'm yay. Guys, I liked them. I didn't like that their names weren't on the back, but I'll get used to the numbers eventually. I didn't like I the white numbers. I enjoyed, I would have enjoyed a, a color on the numbers, but otherwise I generally speaking enjoyed the jerseys. 
Uh, also up from the upper deck jerk guy. When are the pot hosts? Oh my god, we should do that. I love that. We're gonna do a three sixty multivariate uh type of uh review. Uh, upper deck jerk guy. Um, can you craft a survey for me, Greg? Is that a thing you can do? Slender. Slender. Um. Upper Deck Jerk Guy also gives us the opportunity to revisit our over-unders on transfers. I think we would all at probably this point, adjust yeah. up. I think we said point. seven, right? Yeah. I think I said... Though I think we said we would net out, generally speaking, oh, okay. two to three. Yeah. I think it would net it two to yep. three, right? Two to three. We're anyway. way okay. under right now. There's way yes. more guys leaving than, than at, the, at the moment than coming back in. Yeah. Um, all right, Ev Marie twenty four. She's changed her handle too often, so uh, we're just going with the actual at now. Um, what's the point of being a sports fan? She's not All wrong. Does bring pain. She's not wrong. Except, but just remember, just remember, remember Ev Marie, Fionsfansish, March. Beware the Ides of March. Do you remember when we were all like, oh, we got to bring sports fam. You know, the people need them. Mm. This is what people live for. I don't think we advocated that position. But others have. But, uh, all right. I love this question from her, though. Uh, if your life depended on a make, lawyer from the stripe or brown from the corner three, which do you choose? Grek. Uh, statistically, you choose lawyer from the stripe. Uh, you should, except for no Michigan State team in the history of sports, basketball specifically, has ever been clutched from the charity stripe when it's actually mattered. Ever. So you want to talk about statistics? That's statistics I'm hanging my head on. Gabe Brown from the corner for three. I like how you've forgotten about oh. cash so easily. So so quickly. So or quickly. Paul Davis. About cash. Paul Davis, to be everything. fair, though, uh, like had nothing else going on in the head. He had that was it. That was it. Paul yeah. didn't know. Paul yeah. didn't know where he was when he was from Colin Jankowski. Why does God hate the Spartans? You because you know what you did, Colin. <laughs> you know you did. Next up from Dan Hellpepper. Uh, I'm just going to choose one at random. If you can make Christmas disappear without a trace, would you? Uh, no. What do you mean? Because we're playing Wisconsin, yes, but no, I love Christmas. It's great. Family, friends, you know, cinnamon rolls. Dan, if I could get rid of the music, okay. I would. Wow. So there's that. What about uh, Jonesy, from also from Dan Hellpepper? How would you prove with science that this last basketball game was not worse than that time we only scored 36 <laughs> points against Iowa? Do you remember that game? Oh my God, that was a I, Kalen Lucas game and it was awful. Um, awful. Well, I can tell you this, that uh, we do not know the future. And so because we do not know, it's a it's sort of a Schrodinger's oh. cat situation we have going on right now. Uh, and because we don't know what's coming ahead until we take the box off, the cat is neither dead nor alive. Wow. The cat just is. So <laughs> that was a number six MSU team that only managed to score 36 points against Iowa. Yeah, you know, he said I had to prove that this game was not worse than that. And so I just did that. Uh, this is this is uh, we don't know. We just don't know. Um, anyway, uh, last up, Mama Maple Leaf. Draymond Green, Wendy CEO, Todd, Todd Penagor and yeah. Marta Tienda. 
sociologists were virtual speakers for last week's MSU graduation ceremonies. Who would you want to see as speakers keeping this year's uh, struggles in mind for the graduating class of 2021? Hmm. Let's let's each uh, come up with one. I'll say Judge Judy. You know? Punches above her weight. Yeah. I, I'll take uh, America's Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Put some bright lights on him. And just watch him, him talk about watch him whatever melt. he wants. Watch him literally physically <laughs> melt. Like a candle. Um, just melt. And uh, Cash. Okay. Cash Winston. Uh, just be like, hey, we know you've only been gone a year, but uh, we could use a pickup, my man. <laughs> Do you just want to go shoot some threes? That'd be really good for us right now. <laughs> He's um, busy. He's in the league. He's busy right now. Yes. Uh, this is, uh, been a fun episode. Um, and we have a Christmas day celebration in the form of a Michigan state, Wisconsin game to look forward to. So gentlemen, I'm excited. I am too. I'm over here, uh, Googling Wendy CEO, Todd Pendrick. Yeah. I had to check to make sure that the thing that I thought about him was actually untrue. Um, cause I, I remembered hearing something, and it is indeed untrue. Oh, well, that's good. He was a Ford man, then a Kellogg's man, and then a Wendy's man. You know, that's, Guys, everyone's always taken that exact same route. Wow. <laughs> the Ford, Kellogg, Wendy's pipeline, you know? Well, well known, well documented. Uh, with that, uh, we would say, go green, everyone. Go white, boys. America's mayor next year. Graduation speaker. (laughs) Never forget.